Welcome to Running Up the Score. I am Alex Kennedy. This is my new show that airs every Tuesday and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We talk all things NBA, NFL, all sports. Today, we have a special guest joining me. Uh, Kevin Garnett's Big Ticket Sports is launching a new three-on-three basketball league called Street. Uh, they're launching it in conjunction with Pro League Network. And we're joined today by Big Ticket Sports CEO, George Daniel. George, how are you? Alex, uh, I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me here today. I'm very excited to talk about this. I think it's so cool that, you know, they're getting involved in this three-on-three league. How did the idea for the street three-on-three league come together? And why did Big Ticket Sports decide to get involved? Yeah, so, uh, you know, going back uh, 2019, uh, Kevin Garnett, uh, we just formed this company and we acquired the Hoop It Up, which is the iconic 3X3 basketball platform. And uh, at the time when we acquired it, uh, you know, Hoop It Up has a great tradition going back to 1989. It was just thought it was a great, great basketball property. Looking at the 3X3 space and understanding that 3X3 basketball was going into the Olympics, uh, we just felt like it was a great platform. But at the time, we had visions of eventually creating an aspirational program. Given the fact that 3X3 was going into the Olympics, given the fact that we could see that gambling was proliferating through the states would become legal, essentially legal, starting to become legalized at 2018, we thought 3X3 could potentially be a great edible platform. And it was always something on our radar. Obviously, COVID came and set us back a couple of years, but um, this was always something we were thinking about as we were continuing to grow uh, and, and kind of relaunch a bit up post-COVID. Uh, we created a Hoop It Up Pro-Am League, which was kind of the forerunner to the street in that we have teams that play in our tournament. So the winners come together for a national championship and, and it's, and it's uh, sanctioned by FIBA. So we've really leaned into the, to the whole Olympic uh, movement and we really believe in three extreme basketball games are quick, they're fast, they're actually pay, actually packed and it's, it's a great, great uh, basketball it definitely seems like three-on-three three basketball is getting more and more popular. You mentioned it being added to the Olympics. How much potential do you think there is in three-on-three three basketball as a sport going forward? Yeah, obviously, you know, we're, we're, we, you know, we're creating streets, so we obviously are, are, are very bullish on it. Uh, I think the, the, the things about 3x3 three three basketball, which I think give it huge potential, are the fact that the games are they're 10-minute games, or first team of 21. So the games only take like 15 minutes in real time. And you get a team could play multiple games in the same day. So you can literally schedule a game every 20 minutes, not with the same teams, of course, but on the same court. And that gives us the opportunity to just have fast, streamable, edible content, you know, one game after another, after another. And I think it's just tailor-made for, you know, the next generation of sports viewers and particularly basketball viewers. Look, uh, you know, I love watching the NBA. I love watching college basketball. Uh, but, you know, younger audiences, you know, a lot of people are cutting cable. There's, there's just consuming games and sports on your phone and your mobile devices is becoming more prevalent. This is maybe one of the only few sporting events that you could seriously watch the whole event on your phone. It's only, it's only 10, 15 minutes, you know. I know you theoretically can watch a whole NFL game or an NBA game on your phone, 
But, you know, the reality is most people don't do that. This is something you can actually watch on your phone for 15 minutes the entire game uh, from a practical standpoint. So I, I think that we're very bullish on it for those reasons. Yeah, I talked to the creator of Slam Ball and how they brought that back. And he kind of made the same point that attention spans are, are smaller and, and shorter than ever. So, you know, people are basically watching highlights. So any any sport where you could have the games be quick and, you know, easily digested, I think it it makes a lot of sense. And I think it resonates a lot with today's younger fans. Um, how will street be different from some of the existing three-on-three leagues? Well, I mean, you know, the question we get asked the most is about the big three, you know, that primarily. And look, we love the big three. We think, you know, it's great, but it's a much different game. The big three are hour-long games. Uh, the, the talent pool is essentially four NBA players for the most part. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a great platform. Uh, but what we're doing is something significantly different. As I said, you know, we're playing the Olympic rules, the FIBA rules every 10 minutes. Uh, so the games are quick, they're fast. And the players are really players who play their way up from the street. The guys who are dedicated to playing 3x3 basketball. Not necessarily, I mean, we will get, and we add even a hoop it up, our pro him events, an occasional former G League player, and even a former NBA player has opted into some of our events. But it's not like we're targeting for it. players like, like the big three. You know, we're just simply getting the guys who are dedicated to playing 3x3 basketball. The guys who play are going to play street and who have been playing hoop it up are dedicated. They play 3x3, you know, wherever they can get a tournament, then going, they travel to home. And there's a whole, like, talented guys that are, you know, already organically have developed. In addition to that, I think once we launch street, we'll, people know that there is this kind of platform. Um you know, we think we'll be getting more players involved. Plus, I think different than anything else, we're also going to have women uh, as well. But it's, you know, I don't think anyone else has kind of done on, on at least on that kind of level. There is a, there is some limit 3x3. I know, you know, there's a, you know, a force organization based with the Seattle Storm do a great job with it. But we're just going to create another platform for women. And also, we're planning to have co-ed competition, which is something that's unique. And so we're going to have men, we're going to have women, we're going to have co-ed. So it's just completely different from anything anyone else has done. How much of an advantage is it having Kevin Garnett involved as well? I mean, players obviously respect him. He's a legend. Uh, being able to have him involved. And then also just with all your ventures, since, again, for people that don't know, you're the CEO of Big Ticket Sports. Um, how much of an advantage is it just having KG involved in all these projects and ventures? Well, Kevin is really the, like, the soul of all of this uh, you know, everyone knows him as a player on the court and you see him interviews and, and you know, obviously he is what you see. He's passionate. Uh, he's passionate about basketball. He believes in this. He believes in the whole, really, he was, he was, uh, you know, he was really the, the mind behind a lot of the design of this. And as far as the, uh, the, the DNA of the street ball aspect of, of how we're rolling this brand out, that's something that really resonates with him. You know, someone, you know, played in the playgrounds, played in the streets, and walked with himself and a lot of his contemporaries played in the NBA. It's really like the DNA of the NBA, where guys come from. So, yes, it's 303 basketball, but there's a whole like, culture behind this, this street series we're doing that we're, you know, hoping to really put some past the light on. Having Kevin, um, you know, KG as the, you know, the face of it, the ambassador of it, obviously gives us a huge advantage. Uh, 
in this sense as well. well because he's, you know, he can cast a spotlight on this and, and you know, free some promotion for us that, you know, George Daniel is always going to be able to do, obviously. So, it's, it's obviously, there are a lot on so many levels, but he's involved in all aspects of it. And he's just a great, uh, you know, great basketball and great. You were previously the commissioner of the National Lacrosse, uh, National Lacrosse League. You have experience as an executive in Hoop It Up, minor league basketball back in the 90s. How did you get involved with big ticket sports and, and how did you uh, meet KD? How did you get close with him? Yeah, so when I left the National Lacrosse League, I started a small boutique uh, law firm with some partners. And uh, one of my retired partners at, at one time in the um, uh, 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 council for the uh, job council for the NBA Players Association. So KG Cato was a client, and that's how the relationship uh, began. And, and so he's a client of our firm, of myself. And then, you know, given my sports management background, we decided to form Big Ticket Sports. Uh, so it's it's uh, really been a, a great opportunity for us. It's great working with him. You mentioned that most people see Kevin as a player, but one of the things that we're seeing nowadays is that so many of these former NBA players, even some current NBA players, are launching their own companies and becoming big investors in a lot of different ventures. What are your thoughts on that? And because you have been around basketball since the 90s, how much of a shift is that from when you first you know, got involved in basketball to, to where things are at now, where guys are valuing equity and, and some of them are becoming moguls? It's so true, and it's just such such a different world. I mean, the I it, you know, it, and, and as you said, I, I did start in minor league basketball in the '90s. The idea, uh, even there wasn't even an opportunity to to audio stream. It was before Mark Cuban that you know his audio network. <laughs> like, you know, so um, you know you'd have to get somebody to like listen to dial a radio station and put you on hold to listen to a game that was far away. Right. You know, it was just it's a different world. And so I mean, with that, you see the, the, all of the change in the last 25, 30 years uh, with, with a lot of streaming content. Uh, and, and, and that's been a big driver of it, being able to deliver that with all with social media. There's just so many opportunities at the, at the sports tech space that only, yeah, 30 years ago, you, you know, we, we heard about things that were coming, but to really now see them. And I think the players that you mentioned, you know, are, you know, they, they're, they're, they're keenly aware of that. They're, I think they're, uh, today's generation of players, certainly the active players are, you know, you have, you know, good and strong advisors and they're keenly aware. They have their, you know, the fingers on the pulse of, of, of all these deals and the deal flow that's coming in. And I, you know, I think they're to be, you know, commended, um, and, and, you know, for, for what they're developing, what they're building for their post career. What advice would you give to someone that wants to become a sports executive or work in sports? Yeah, you know, look, everybody takes a different path, right? I mean, I my path was significantly different than most. I was a practicing attorney and I decided to get involved in minor league basketball. Really, I was involved in sports seven years where I was actually paying my pay, you know, by investing in ventures. And it wasn't until I was working full time at the National Lacrosse League as general counsel and deputy commissioner, I was actually getting salary. So it's a little unique situation. Everybody's different. Uh, but I will, you know, look, if you, if uh, I think the, the always one way in, I think it's always been through sales is always the big thing, right? If you're a star in sales, 
Um, if that's, if you can, you know, make the cash register rate, so to speak, there's always a spot for me in sports. That's not the only job. Obviously there are a lot of other opportunities. I obviously my legal background of me advancing. So there's a lot of different ways, you know, in, in the door. Uh, but I, I would urge anyone, you, you know, any person coming out and wants to get into the industry really to, there's lots of, there's lots more opportunity than there was. You know, there's so many franchises, so many teams that I think, you know, trying to land the job, even if it's part-time to get experience is the main thing. You know, I think that's the main thing to get, get yourself some experience and start building a resume. Some experience what are some other projects that uh, Big Ticket Sports is working on currently? Yes, well, our, one of our main other main property that we have, you know, along with Hoop It Up and, and involved in Street is Ticket Soccer, which is a three three v three like Hoop It Up. It's a three v three platform for for you know young soccer players. So that's our main properties, and we're you know continuing to look at other opportunities in in sports. Well, see what. Other things that we may be developing in the, you know, in the near future. And then, what are some of the biggest challenges, or uh, what? It, what is it like? I guess launching a three-on-three basketball league. I mean, I know you guys are, are putting the work right now to kind of get it off the ground, but you know, what what kind of goes into that, and what does that really entail? Yeah, look, it's, there's a lot of there's a lot there. I mean, you know, logistics, scheduling, player contracts, player procurement, scouting. Uh, there are so many aspects of it. Yeah, as you said, I do have some experience, uh, you know, years ago in minor league basketball. There are some things I can draw from that, but it's also a different world. You know, we're, we're in, the, in the age of the digital age. So uh, there's, the, there's the content side of it. I mean, you know, if you're talking about something 25, 30 years ago, it's strictly ticket sales and whatever sponsors you can get. Yeah, those things are, can still be very important, obviously. Uh, but 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 there's also opportunity here when we're talking about sponsorships and data and content. It, it becomes a different world, and um, so there's so many things that you know. Right now, we're with and PLN, um, who are our partners in this, are are you know have been great. They, you know, as I said, we we set forth four years ago to try to create a pro three x three league. And it wasn't until we connected with PLM that we felt we had the right partner in it. Uh, you know, their, their experience um, in, in their brief time with, you know, operations, distributions, and, and most notably in the data and incredible sports market was just a great fit for us. And that's why we decided to work with PLN and watching this venture. As I mentioned, you were the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League and, and you really helped uh, the league kind of go to the next level. What are your thoughts on just where lacrosse is at today? It feels like it's so much more popular and mainstream than it was, I'm sure, years ago when you were starting out in that league. Yeah, well, so when I started in the league, it was the fall of 2000. And, and, the, and, the, and the National Lacrosse League, which is, uh, you know, for, for viewers who may get them confused, it's the indoor league. And uh, we... Uh, Started the, you know, the league had been around since the mid-90s, but it was Northeastern. Uh, a lot of the franchises were in New York State. Uh, there was a team in Toronto and Philadelphia, and that was pretty much it. Uh, so one of the things that we felt was necessary, or what we came in, was to try to get it across the country. So we first, during our second year, we expanded to Western Canada with teams in Calgary and 
Vancouver, uh, our, our third year, we were able to place a franchise with Crocky Sports, um, you know, in Denver, which obviously owned the Denver Nuggets, Colorado Avalanche. And that team became a hit and was drawing 14,000, 15,000 fans a game at the, that was then was the Pepsi Center. And so that was really one of the big models that we followed was trying to partner with NHL teams when we could. Uh, the league today, I think, has six partnerships with NHL teams, I believe, with the Vancouver Canucks, Scary Flames, Buffalo Sabres, Forehead Shit Avalanche, Philadelphia Flyers. So, uh, you know, it really works well with hockey. You can play a hockey game in, in the morning and then a lacrosse game or in the afternoon and then play a lacrosse game in the evening. So, um, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's, but the score overall, you know, it continues to grow. I think it's, 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 it's amazing. You have to watch it grow from the last 20 years. And now, like 3x3 basketball, it'll, it will at least be in the LA Olympics, uh, or, you know, in 2028, I believe. And so that's it. That was announced this week. So I'm, I, I'm happy about that. I've got a lot of friends that are still in lacrosse and, uh, you know, really pleased to see the sport advance. It's got a great, Heritage with you know, the, the, its origins from Native American uh, community. It's got a great story that I think a lot of people don't know. And uh, I would urge any of your listeners to, you know, look into that if you don't know about the origins of the sport. It's really it's a 700 year old sport with a beautiful story to tell. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything else about the, the street three on three basketball league that we haven't covered or that, you know, you want to add? Yeah, no, I just think, uh, you know, we're really excited about the opportunity. We think this, uh, you know, our, I think our long-term goal is that we'd love to see Street, you know, uh, grow and, and, and build it. We'll start with the first series, but we'd love to see it grow and really have Street, you know, where you can always, like, try the TV on there as a Street game going on, you know. I think, you know, five, ten years from now, that would that would be our ultimate goal. So, um we just think there's enormous opportunity here and we're really looking forward to the launch. So for fans that are excited about this new league, uh, it's first games are starting in early 2024, correct? The plan is to launch uh, early 2024, I think we're targeting February. Okay. So that's that's the goal at this point. And uh, the plan is that there'll be a series of three to four weeks uh, in a single location and then we would move them around like most likely. So the first one we're targeting probably in the Northeast United States uh, sometime in, you know, early 2024. It should be an announcement, you know, coming out in the next month or so. I love it. Well, everyone, make sure you guys check out Street Basketball, the new three-on-three league that Big Ticket Sports and Kevin Garnett are co-launching with Crow League Network. Very exciting stuff. And George, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Alex, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the time. appreciate your interest. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Prize Picks. Now, if you haven't played Prize Picks, you are missing out. It's a daily fantasy sports app where you pick two to six players and pick whether they'll score more or less points than their Prize Pick projection. If you're right, you win big. You can win 25 times your money on any entry. At Prize Picks, you are competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Prize Picks offers projections on virtually every sport NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, soccer. WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, overseas basketball, cricket, and more. You can mix and match players from different sports. So you could have LeBron James and Patrick Mahomes in the same entry, for example. If you download Prize Picks today and use the promo code RUNNING, they'll double your deposit up to $100. 
That's the promo code RUNNING, and they'll double your deposit up to $100. It takes 30 seconds or less to build a lineup. To show you how easy it is, I'm going to build a lineup right now. All right, so you go over to Prize Picks, and right now they're doing a special where if Steph Curry has one point in the Warriors' first game against the Suns, then you win. So we're going to say more than 0.5 points for Steph Curry. And then let's go over to the NFL. I like doing the receiving yards. That's been working for me lately. So we're going to go more than 81.5 receiving yards for A.J. Brown. We're going to do a $20 entry. And just like that, we are good to go. We are entered for this weekend. Thank you to PrizePix for sponsoring this episode. If you guys want to try it out, make sure to use that promo code RUNNING and they'll double your first deposit up to $100. That's the promo code RUNNING. Let's get back to the show. Thank you to George Daniel for joining us. Uh, now I am joined by a fantasy basketball expert. He is Noah Rubin of Roto World. He's also the host of the Tank Me Later podcast. Noah, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm doing well, Alex. Excited to be here. Fantasy season, well, NBA season as well is a week away. It's the best time of the year. We're excited for it. Absolutely. So there's a ton of talk about from an NBA standpoint, a fantasy standpoint. Uh, I actually have some drafts coming up, one on October 22nd. So I'm excited to pick your brain and, uh, you know, steal all your little tips here. Um, starting out, who are some players that you're higher on than maybe the the rest of the experts in, in the field? Are there certain guys that you're kind of planting your flag on that you're higher on? Yeah, it's, uh, we're looking at guys that are going earlier that I think I'm a little bit high on. Trey Young is definitely one of them. He kind of Slipped a little bit last season, had some issues with his field goal percentage. Turnovers are obviously going to be there. But I think with Quinn Snyder there, kind of rejuvenating the offense is pretty much the polar opposite of what Nate McMillan was running in Atlanta there. So I think Trey Young's going to be able to have not only just a better overall season, but definitely going to shoot some more threes. Uh, he's going kind of middle of the second round in Yahoo leagues, most leagues. I'd probably have him as like a late first rounder, maybe first pick of the second round. So just a tad higher on him there. Another guy I really like that's kind of going later is Andrew Wiggins. Uh, his Yahoo ADP is kind of in the 90s, but I have no problem taking him in the 70s even. He was incredible to start last season. First month of the season, he was a top 25 player in fantasy basketball. And then he missed large stretch games because of an injury turned into an illness. And then he played a little bit, wasn't the same, and then missed the last two months of the regular season due to personal issues. Um wasn't quite the same in the playoffs, but I'm expecting him to get back to what he was at the beginning of last season, heading into this year. So that's that's two guys that I'm pretty much coming away with in every single draft. And who are some guys that you're lower on uh, at their cost? Maybe guys that you're avoiding? Ooh, I mean, obviously, a lot of the injury-prone guys are quote-unquote injury-prone guys. Nobody can actually predict it, these injuries. But a guy like Kevin Durant going in the first round or if Anthony Davis don't really want to spend my first round pick on a guy that might play 50 games. I want a guy that's going to play closer to 70 second round. No problem getting them, but probably even as good as they are when they're on the court, not really looking to spend my first pick on them. Another guy is Chris Paul. I think I just, you know, it seems like he's going to be able to adjust his game a little bit to fit with golden state. A lot of guys there, good coaching staff. So not surprised if they make it work out, but I think he's got to sacrifice a lot for it to work. So I'm not sure how well it works for fantasy. And then the Austin Reeves hype train, it's just a little bit too high for me. Everybody seems to be all in on him. I think he's a very good player. He's going to have a really good season. But for fantasy basketball, he's not really doing much defensively. He was already incredibly efficient for a younger guard. I don't see the numbers jumping up enough to grab him where I've seen him going 
around 75 range at times, sometimes in the 80s. I think he's more of a late 90s kind of guy in my book. Yeah, it feels like a lot of people are predicting an Austin Reeves breakout. Who are some guys that are younger that you could see breaking out? And maybe, you know, this time next year, we're talking about them as being some of the biggest surprises of the season. Are there any guys that you can kind of project to break out? Uh, off the top of my head, the first one that comes to mind is a guy like Jalen Johnson, who it seems like we've, we've seen him get a few starts during the preseason. And he's going to play a larger role in Atlanta after being in the G League during his rookie season and kind of a smaller role off the bench last year. It seems like he's going to be fighting for the starting job. I don't imagine that he will start this season, at least to start the year. I think that'll be DeAndre Hunter and Sadiq Bey in the front court. But I think by this time next year, he's going to be a starter. They like that he's a playmaking four that's incredibly athletic. He's shown the ability to knock down shots from deep. He's kind of everything that they wanted John Collins to be, but also he can dribble and playmake a little bit. So I think he fits really well alongside Trey Young and DeShante Murray. And he has a fantasy-friendly game because he can get defensive stats. He's going to shoot a pretty high percentage um, for a guy that's also has the ball in his hands. So I think he's the main guy that I can really think of that I think is going to be much better uh, coming into next season. You mentioned preseason action. How much are you evaluating preseason and taking stock in what you're seeing? And how much are you just kind of sticking to your opinions? I guess like, you know, watching some of these preseason games, there's guys putting up crazy numbers. How do you, how much does that sway your opinions or do you try not to let it influence your rankings too much? I think I don't let it impact. It's kind of a case by case basis for me. Obviously there's going to be guys that have massive games, specifically young guys that have massive games while they're kind of managing the minutes of some of their more experienced players. Um, you, we've seen Peyton Pritchard have some really good games for Boston, but we know he's not going to be a major part of their rotation this season. Uh, so a guy like that, you know, it's nice to see it from a dynasty perspective because maybe one day he can be able to produce, maybe not to that level, but provide some solid production, especially in deeper leagues. But I think it's important to see how coaches use players. Um, I just, I keep going back to Atlanta, but it's, it's easy for me because I'm watching all the games, but uh a guy like Jalen Johnson saying, okay, like they're comfortable putting him in the starting unit. Okay. Quinn Snyder wants click up or excuse me, Nyeka Kongwu shooting some outside shots. They like those guys long-term. So I think it's more important from a dynasty perspective, kind of seeing how coaches like players and seeing things that they want to see them try and seeing just how rookies adjust to the game. We've seen Brandon Miller play much better than he did during summer league, which is encouraging for him. I think he's a great guy to take a, a shot on in the last couple rounds um, that can end up providing some really good value, uh, probably more later in the season. But as far as, you know, random seven or eight year veterans that are breaking out and having these, having big games, not really putting too much stock in that because, you know, it's got to change come opening night. I'm curious, uh, we've seen fantasy football as, you know, blown up and, and obviously, uh, type people play it. Uh, you know, you would like DFS prize picks. You see tons of talk about football, fantasy basketball, I was always had a harder time kind of winning fans over just because you have to check it daily. Uh, I think with prize picks we've seen in, in some daily fantasy, there's more interest in it. But as far as like a season long fantasy basketball league, that, that really hasn't taken off in popularity. You know, do you think there's anything, I know sleepers tried a few things like uh, having a, you pick one game per week and you can lock that game in. And that's how, you know, you can kind of allow fans to not have to check every single day and set their lineup every single day. Uh, or they, you know, there, there's a lot of different things people have tried, but what do you think fantasy basketball can do 
to kind of challenge fantasy football or become more popular. I'm not sure if it'll ever be as popular as fantasy football because, you know, all the games are condensed into tiny part of the week and the so you know football football's so popular but is there anything that fantasy basketball can do on that front to kind of get more popular or more mainstream yeah i think that there's things that can be done i think a lot of it is you know if you go into a random business no matter where they are a lot of the staff are just going to say hey do you guys want to do a fantasy football league this year but you don't really hear about people doing oh my work fantasy basketball league so i think that's part of the reason fantasy football is popular more popular especially also just you can see ratings with the NFL versus the NBA. But I think, you know, it, it's funny. The reason that you mentioned is that people say, oh, I don't want to have to check my lineup every day. But we know fantasy football people are also checking their lineup every day. I check my every single day for fantasy football as well. So it's like I'm True. consistently looking to see who's available, what moves have been made, uh, keeping up with news updates. So I think that's, you know, I don't think it takes but 10 minutes if you're doing a couple of fantasy basketball leagues to set your lineup every single day. But I think it's also, it's just a, a more complex game to play. I mean, fantasy football, it's, you're looking at points and there is points leagues in fantasy basketball, but I think category leagues is kind of where you're really looking at uh, where the hardcore players are playing. It's, you know, and then you're accounting for a lot more strategy involved there. So I think it's more complex, which might also scare people away. But one thing that I found that's made it easier for me, and I think also just people that may not be wanting to set a lineup every day, like you said, is you can settle, like make it weekly lineups in the NBA. You have to account for, you know, okay, this player's playing four games versus this player's playing three games. And sometimes that ends up, you know, influencing your decision, but it makes it so you don't have to check it every single day if you don't want to. Now you're going to end up checking it every single day, but I have that set for a few of my leagues so that it's not something that, you know, if I have a busy day, I'm stressing about, okay, I didn't set my lineup uh, for whatever league. So I think that's something that makes it a little bit easier, but really I think it's, it boils down to more that not as many people know about how fun it could be in fantasy basketball, just because not as many people do it. I was actually talking with uh, Robin Marks who runs a fantasy basketball podcast for believe in sports um, about, and this is me kind of sharing my ideas. So hopefully either somebody takes it or, and runs with it because that'd be cool. But um, is if you, play NBA 2K and you see uh, like the social media page on your, on your league or your, my career, it has different uh, reporters or analysts talking about games from last night. And I think it'd be really cool to get some fantasy basketball analysts. I'm not, I'm not just trying to get my name in 2K. Like if it's other people like, cool, like I, I'm more for this happening. And then you're playing in your, your, my league on 2K or your, my career. And, you know, Josh Lloyd said, wow, like this, player had this many points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, definitely going to add him uh, on the waiver wire next week. And it just has that there. It's like, huh, okay. Like fantasy basketball is in my mind. I think that just helps. It's more of about reaching different people. I personally, what sleeper does with the game pick, I don't love because then I have to make a decision on, Ooh, is this player going to actually do better in this game versus like, is the matchup? I don't know. Not something that I personally love, but I think weekly lineups and just exposure are two things that, could really help. No, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm curious, when you're trying to approach a draft that's a nine-category league versus a draft in a points league, what are some of the biggest differences as far as your draft strategy and maybe tips for, for viewers that either have both side of leagues or they're only in one and they're trying to figure out how to parse their rankings and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so obviously, you know, standard nine category is points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, turnovers, field goal percentage, threes made, free throw percentage. I think that's the nine. 
And then points leagues, it could be anything. I think the pretty standard is one point for points, 1.2 for rebounds, 1.5 for assists, three for steals, three for blocks, minus one for turnovers. So it's just really looking at the difference. That's the standard, but I know like if you go on an ESPN points leagues, they give you minus one for a field goal attempt and plus one for a field goal made. So it ends up being kind of weird and hard to uh, keep track of. But just looking at those standard ones, when you're playing in a points league, you don't have to worry about percentages. So a guy like a Russell Westbrook that's going to have a low field goal percentage, as it's a little bit better with the Clippers, a low free throw percentage, but it's going to get you a decent amount of points, rebounds, and assists. He's got a lot more value in points leagues than he does in category leagues. John Morant kind of fits that same structure of a guy that is going to be better in points leagues than category leagues. So they end up going a little bit higher. Guys like RJ Barrett, Kelton Johnson, uh, that don't really give you any other stats other than points are able to be, you know, probably top 100, borderline top 100 guys in points leagues, whereas category leagues, you might take them in the last two rounds. Uh, with category leagues, like I mentioned earlier, a lot more strategy goes into it because you can choose to punt categories and say, I'm just not going to worry about field goal percentage and turnovers. That's one of my favorite things to do is say, I don't care about field goal percentage, don't care about turnovers. I'm going to try and win the seven other categories and I'm going to start my draft with LaMelo Ball and Trey Young. That's my favorite thing to do this year because they're going to take my field goal percentage. They're going to take my turnovers, but they're going to give me a ton of points, ton of assists, ton of threes. So just going in with certain strategies like that and kind of deciding based on probably who you get in the first couple of rounds, how the rest of your draft is going to look. It's an important thing to consider because if you, if you start your draft with Giannis and say, okay, I'm going to punt free throws, not worry about them, punt threes, not worry about them. I can go Demonis Sabonis the next round. He's going to give me like, you know, uh, let me see. I could probably actually tell you exactly how many threes he hit per game last year. 0.4. So not much. Free throw percentage isn't great. And then you go Zion round five, that maximizes his value as well. So it it can end up changing the value of the players a lot by each manager, which makes it pretty interesting because a guy like Zion's going in around pick 60, but you're pairing him with Giannis and Sabonis and he stays on the court. It's a pretty hard team to beat because you're going to dominate about five categories. So a lot more strategy goes into your nine category leagues as opposed to your points leagues because then it's like, I don't care if it's points, rebounds, assists or what. Points are points. I love Julius Randle. I love Pascal Siakam, guys like that that are going to be dominant in points leagues. They're still good in category leagues, but they don't quite reach that same level of production. For sure. One thing that I did last year was I joined my first dynasty basketball league, and that's been so much fun being able to add different rookies. And, you know, I just love the strategy and that too. I basically went and loaded up with a super young team, but other people added a bunch of veterans and they're in win now mode and have, you know, a one or two year championship window. So I love Dynasty. I would recommend it to anyone that's a big diehard basketball fan. I think it's so much fun. And, you know, it makes it more fun when you're watching the draft and actually scouting these rookies to, you know, draft your team each year. Uh, I think it's a ton of fun. So what advice would you have for someone that's maybe entering a Dynasty League and has a startup draft? You know, do you typically go for young high upside guys are you more of a win now approach like what's your dynasty strategy usually that that probably depends on who i'm playing with if i'm playing with friends that i know are going to be committed and i'm saying okay guys we're going to do this for the next 40 years or whatever obviously we haven't gotten to that point so i have no idea if it's actually gonna last that long but it's been lasting a few years so it's like okay i'm cool to start young rebuild tank because i know it's at least going to go five years and be able to see this rebuild through I personally have a lot of fun 
tanking within the rules because it depends on your league, uh, how much they allow. And just starting young, you know, watching a second round pick that I made crack a rotation and say, wow, like, you know, they have some upside. I personally enjoy that. Um, but I think if I'm going into a league with people I don't necessarily know, I'm probably going to go more win now. But it really depends on what pick I get. If I have the number one pick, I'm probably going to go Jokic, go more win now. If I have pick three, I'm probably going to end up with Victor Wembanyama. Might do a little bit of a rebuild because of how young he is. So I kind of see who's the best player available in the first round and let that dictate how I go with the rest of my draft. But it's also possible to go kind of young and still compete early on because some guys that are older might not be drafted very high. I think, you know, a guy like LeBron is going to go significantly later in dynasty leagues than he will in redraft. So you can still go young the first couple of rounds and then get guys that are still producing that are just older in the later rounds because you're going probably about 300 players deep in a dynasty draft. So there's plenty of times to get older guys that can still produce later on and just have fun with it. I think you can kind of do both. Yeah, some of the most fun years I've had in fantasy football and fantasy basketball and dynasty leagues are the years where you are tanking or rebuilding and you're mm-hmm. selling off your veterans for future picks. You're developing young guys. It can be a ton of fun whenever, you know, you basically have a whole rebuild that you're you're working on. Um, that's one of the cool things about Dynasty too. Even if your team sucks, <laughs> there are still fun things that you can do as the season winds down because you're focused on the future and try to stockpile. You basically get your Sam Presti on, try to stockpile young players and picks. Uh, so I've, I've loved Dynasty. Um, I want your thoughts on this tier's rookie class because, you know, you look at, obviously all the talk is about Victor Wipanyama, Scoot Henderson, you know, looks fantastic and, and could be very special player. The Thompson twins, Brandon Miller, there's, and even the depth too. You start looking at some of the players, you know, in the, the teens, uh, there are some, you know, really talented guys. What are your thoughts on this class as a whole? And then, you know, from a dynasty perspective or even from a redraft perspective, I've noticed that, in redraft, rookies tend to fall later because, you know, people aren't sure what to expect from them or they really haven't done their homework as much on the rookies. Uh, what are your thoughts on the class as a whole? Yeah, it's a generational class. It's going to be a fun one that's really good for a really long time. A lot of the guys that I liked didn't get or didn't land in the best spots. So they might not produce a ton this year. I'm not really targeting them in redraft, such as a guy like Casey Wallace, not really looking for him, even though I really liked him uh, coming into this year's draft. But I don't think he's going to get a ton of opportunities with the Thunder as a rookie. But you look at Wemby, generational guy, a guy you're probably going to have to take in the second or third round in redraft. Scoot Henderson, you could probably get around pick 100. Same thing with the Sar Thompson. Uh, it seems like Bilal Kulabali is going to start as well in Washington based on the preseason. We'll see if things change, but I think he provides them with a lot of defensive production. So him and Derek Lively are two other rookies that it looks like they can start. A lot of these rookies are going to come off the bench, but it seems like we have Five or six, they're going to get a chance to start when you look at the top three picks, Asar Thompson, Lively, and Koulibaly. But then Ahmed Thompson looks phenomenal, a guy that they're going to struggle to not start. It's going to be a tough decision in Houston. They have a lot of depth, a lot of talent there. So a guy like Anthony Black's going to be probably stuck on Orlando's bench this year, but he has so much upside to provide steals. Um, Jairus Walker's probably going to come off the bench, but who knows, he could take over for Obi Toppin. So there's a lot of guys I like. Um, for fantasy, Keontae George could end up playing a good bit for Utah this season just because they don't have a point guard and are probably going to experiment with a lot of different things. It's a really good class. It's a very deep class. We've even seen Julian Strother who went with pick 29. I think he's had 
at least 20 points in every preseason game, or maybe at less than 20 in, in one game, but he's been phenomenal for Denver. So really good class from top to bottom. I think a lot of these guys are going to end up seeing minutes this year, even if only a, a handful of them actually start. Yeah, it's a very fun class. I'm excited to see how these guys develop and, and you know, whether this class can become one of the best draft classes of all time that years from now, we're looking back and putting it up there with, you know, 2003, 1996, and some of the other top ones. Um, Noah, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find your, your work? Yeah, Alex, thanks for having me. I, uh, like you said, beginning working for Roto World, uh, any, all the blurbs there, it's, that's us. That's, uh, but then also the columns, our draft guide, all on NBCSports.com slash Roto World. Um, also, you mentioned the Tank Me Later podcast, which is part of Fantasy Basketball International. Uh, so I've been doing that about once a week. Mostly dynasty stuff, but focusing a little bit more on redraft now because it's start of the season. And then I just started contributing to Sportstopia as well, which is a, kind of a startup fantasy site. I uh, think the plan is for me to do a dynasty column there once a week. So if you're looking for a dynasty itch, I got uh, plenty of content coming your way all season. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining me. And if you guys want to watch more episodes of Running Up the Score, be sure to subscribe, follow us wherever you're watching this. Uh, we drop new episodes every Tuesday and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We have some big guests coming up soon. Paolo Bancaro is going to be coming on uh, and some others. So definitely check that out. Make sure you're subscribed. And until next time, thanks for watching.